Thank you to John for leading us in our singing. John always does a great job with our song leading. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 18. John chapter 18 is where we're going to spend a lot of time in the text. And I want you to follow along because I'll have some on the screen. But, but for the most part, I want you to follow along as, as, we go, as we go through this. I think one of the great challenges of this life is to come to a realization that we're part of something that's a lot bigger than us. See, what, what comes naturally to me is for me to think it's about me, or it's about my situation, or it's about the things that I'm doing, or that I'm enduring, or I'm accomplishing. But when we begin to open up the Scriptures, and in particular in the life of Jesus, and we begin to understand that, that even though there are these narratives about certain individuals... There is a much grander picture that their lives just happen to fit into. Early on in the book of Genesis, right, uh, we, we see maybe the classic example in the life of Joseph and all of the things that he endures and all the things that he, that he goes through. Um, you could make a movie about it, but you probably couldn't take the kids to it, right? I mean, that, that, that's the type of life that, 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 he, that he lives, but he comes to the end of his life, and, and there's that, that classic statement at the end of Genesis where he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Like, there was something much bigger going on than just my sorry brothers who decided to sell me as a slave. There's something a lot bigger going on than some woman telling lies about me. And I'm thinking, and for anybody in that moment, it'd be hard to feel like there's something else going on besides that, because that would be pretty overwhelming. Well, you could kind of, if we had time, you could go through the scriptures and you could pull out all sorts of stories and say, this is how this fits into a much bigger picture. Well, on Sunday nights, as we've made our way through these different conversations that Jesus has had with, with, with different people, I think we have seen someone who really got it. In almost every encounter, Jesus seems to understand this is about more than just what's going on right here, right now. Even when he was a boy, right? So young people, I want you to listen to, to, to what's going on. You remember when Jesus was in the temple? And, and his mother says, where have you been? What have you, why, why have you done this to us? If you've ever lost a child in Walmart, right? You just have some, some inclination of the panic that must have been going on, but not for just a 30-second thing, but for days as they had to get back to Jerusalem, right? And there's this boy who looks at his mother, and what does he say? Didn't you know that I would be about my, or I had to be, or I must be about my father's business? I mean, I know I'm your son, but there's something much bigger going on here than, than what you might perceive on a surface, right? We, we, even towards the end of his life, when he comes to the disciples and he's there with, with his disciples and he's trying to prepare them for the fact of, I'm going to go to Jerusalem to die. That's what's going to happen. I'm going to go there and I'm going to be betrayed and I'm going to be murdered in that place. You would think it would be hard to see much beyond that, right? And, and that's why Simon says, God forbid, right? Over, if I could paraphrase, over my dead body, that's going to happen. And Jesus looks at him and he says, you get behind me, Satan. Why? Because you are putting your mind on the things 
of men instead of on the things of God. It's about perspective. Jesus knew he was going to go to, go to Jerusalem and die, but even as he said that, he understood there was a whole lot more going on than just one man going to a city to die on one day. There is the culmination of the entire scheme of redemption that's being fulfilled in his life. And I'm just saying that when we begin to get that about our life, whether it's, a, whether it's the, the best day or it's the worst day, that there's a lot more going on than just me living my life. That my life is a part of something much, much bigger. And I may be the major, the major character, I may be the minor character, I, I don't always know the answer to that, but to know that God is doing something. Well, when we come here towards the end of Jesus' life, we have a really interesting conversation where I think... Jesus demonstrates that understanding. I hope in a way that will make us think. So Jesus has, they've, they've been in the upper room and they've partaken of, uh, of the Passover feast, right? Or the meal. And they, they have gone to the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus has been betrayed. And, and he's in the, he's in the, the custody of, of the Jewish leaders and they've had their kangaroo court and, and they've, they, they've said he's guilty. And they bring him to the doorstep of Pilate. And Jesus is going to have a... Well, he's going to talk to Pilate, but almost everything that he says to Pilate are things that make me step back and say, man, that's a mouthful, right? Right, Chance, you're reading some of these and you're like, man, there is a lot to that statement as I try to think about what exactly that means. And, and, and behind almost all of it, Jesus is trying to get someone who only sees earthly things to see spiritual things. There's a lot more going on here than you think is going on, Pilate. So Jesus comes to speak with this politician, not a religious leader. I think some of the insights may come because sometimes people don't know that they need to protect themselves in their speech. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? That, that sometimes people will say things, but we, we know what not to say. We know what certain buzzwords are, what certain, you know. But, but people who don't have the, the religious background, sometimes they'll say things and you think, ooh, they don't even know what they just said, right? But, but sometimes in saying that, they, they speak some, some pretty powerful truths that, that need to be seen or that, that bring something to light. Well, I think that's what goes on with Pilate here in John 18 and 19. So all the Jewish leaders, Jesus is under arrest, and, and we, we start in verse 28. Look at this verse, because it's really, boy, it's really one of the, the great ironies of the entire New Testament. They led Jesus from Caiaphas. Caiaphas was the high priest. They led him from Caiaphas to the praetorium, and it was early morning. But they themselves did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Now picture what's going on here. These religious leaders are very, very concerned about their own purity. They're very concerned about their ceremonial cleanliness. They're very concerned about their holiness before God. Right? 
So much so that they won't even go in before Pilate. This is going to be dirty work, and this is going to be Gentiles, and this is going to be, this is, this is going to be ugly. And we don't want to get defiled, because if we get defiled, then we're not going to be able to partake of the Passover. And that's just not an option. But while this is the concern on their mind, you know what they're doing, right? Right? I mean, we're reading about the crucifixion of Jesus. You have people that are going out of their way to maintain their ceremonial purity when they're about to do, commit the most unpure thing that any man has ever done. And they don't see it. They completely miss it. It's possible for us to be very concerned about our own purity, about our own holiness, and be, and be incredibly unpure. That's what they were. That's, that's what was going on here. So, so they bring Jesus here to Pilate. And remember, Pilate's a politician. He, he doesn't understand all the ins and outs. He doesn't really know who Jesus is. He's, he's heard some things about Jesus, you know, some, some rumors of, 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 of some people being upset, of him doing great things. He's probably heard about some people being healed along the way, but there were always rumors of different people and different things. So he doesn't really know what's going on. Besides, they're here in the middle of the night, and they're bringing this, this man. So they bring Jesus, and, but, but they don't come even come inside. So verse 29, the Bible says, Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. So, so they've already made up their minds about who Jesus is, right? He's a blasphemer. He's someone who claims to be the great I am. He's someone who claims to be the Christ, the Messiah. The, 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 penalty, for that, the, the penalty for blasphemy, what is it? It's death. And we, we, we've already judged that and brought him before the high priest. And that's why we arrested him in the first place before we ever had a trial. We already knew that, right? So Pilate says, well, what's, what's the deal? Obviously, you're very upset. Obviously, you want me to exercise some sort of capital punishment against him. You're going to have to tell me, what, what are you so upset about? And they basically say, now, now, Pilate, you know that we wouldn't have brought him here if there wasn't something really bad about him. They, they, don't, they don't even explain what's going on, right? Just kind of like, hey, you just, just trust me. Anytime somebody says, just trust me, you might just want to take a step back from time to time, right? I mean, because if someone's not really willing to, to go in and talk about these things, well, if he weren't an evildoer, we would, we would not have delivered him up to you. So Pilate said to him, you take him and judge him according to your law. I mean, I, I'm not doubting that you're pretty upset with him, but I, I'm not seeing any accusation. Why don't, why don't you deal with it? I mean, if you're so convicted about these things, it, it's the same response that, that was given over and over to the Apostle Paul, right? When the Jewish people would, would, would bring him before Festus and before Felix and before Agrippa, and, and they, what, 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 they, what were they saying, if I could paraphrase? Why are you bringing him here? Why are you bringing him here? It'd be like, I mean, you're going down to the Lowndes County Courthouse and you're, you know, you're, you're saying, I want to bring charges against someone who's, who's not been faithful in their, in their worship. Huh? You, you, want, you want to do what? Why, why are you doing that? that well, you're, you're in the wrong place. You may deal with those things internally. You would expect a church to do that, but 
is the Lowndes County Sheriff going to go to somebody's house because they're not here tonight? I don't think so, right? It'd be kind of weird. We'd probably make the national news if that happened. I mean, that's, that's not, what, what in the world? Why don't you deal with it? Now, remember, this is, this is why Jesus is crucified, right? Because Jews, Jews don't crucify people. Jews stone people. We see examples of that. They, they, they do handle some things throughout, throughout their history. But I mean, they, they just throw rocks at people's head until they're dead. Okay? That's how Jews carry out capital punishment. Crucifixion is a Roman tool. So why don't you handle it? But the Jews said, um, well, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So all of a sudden they get real concerned about, well, you know, what's legal and what's on the up and up. But it's funny how people do that when it's to their advantage, right? I mean, I don't want to, you know, I mean, you wouldn't want us carrying out these things. Verse 32 says that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. It's all part of God's plan. It's all part of God's plan. Jesus wouldn't be stoned. He would be crucified. So Pilate enters the praetorium again. Uh, he didn't really get anywhere with the Jews, but they're still very upset, and he's still a political leader, right? And he may not identify with their religious beliefs, but he, they're still the people. And you remember in Jewish, in, in, in Jewish colonies, the one thing that you don't do is get people upset, right? People get too upset. That's when Rome comes in and crushes everything. You see, we see that in an Acts. That's like whatever you do, don't, 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 don't make it look like we can't control the people because Rome will control the people, and we don't want that. So it goes back in. Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Okay, so this is the question that Pilate puts before Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? Now, is that a true statement or a false statement? Travis, which one is it? He says it's a true statement, okay? King of the Jews. Um, when, when, when he's crucified, they're, gonna, they're not going to like it, but he's going to put king of the Jews up there, right? He, he is the Messiah, the king of kings, the Jews being God's people, um, is there a way in which it's a false statement? You ever have people talk about the Church of Christ and they say things that are true, but they're not really true? They're, they're kind of framing it to, to, be, to look ugly? Um, um, only members of the Church of Christ are going to go to heaven. Anybody ever say that to you? Yeah, it kind of makes you nervous I even said that out loud, right? But so there's a, there's, a, there's a, I mean, if you want to pin me down, that's a true statement. But every time I've ever heard someone say it, what they meant by that was not what I'm saying is true. Okay? So there's a sense in which it's true. Are you the king of the Jews? Yeah, I'm, I'm the king of the Jews. Okay? But when the Jews are saying, this is the king of the Jews, he's the one, he's, he's about to make this political, this political uprising and, over, and overthrow the government. And we, there's only one king, and that's Caesar, and this is... Is that true? No. So he asked this question, and well, maybe you could say yes, maybe you could say no. Verse 34, Jesus answers him. Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? Okay, so I find this fascinating about Jesus. 
when, when I, and this, this has helped me a lot, because when I was younger, th- there, was never, there was never an argument that I didn't like. I just, I, just, I kind of like to argue. Now, what I mean by that is I like to show other people that I was right and they were wrong, okay? Right? Some of you know, you feel free to punch somebody in the ribs if they're sitting next to you. I just kind of enjoyed it, right? And then when you put a religious, a religious tint to it, I mean, it's not just I'm, I'm engaged in this, in this battle of words, but I'm doing it in the name of God, right? So I could kind of feel even better about this. But then I began to notice when people would come to Jesus with all these questions, how many times Jesus, he didn't answer them. He, he would, well, sometimes he just wouldn't answer. Many times he would ask them a question about what they just asked. Why, why, why do you think he did that? There are a lot of conversations that are pointless. And you do no good to engage in those conversations. You can have a conversation. You could even be right. But you could do more harm in that conversation. Jesus is not saying back away from, from proclaiming the truth. You know, the man's about to die for the truth, so don't accuse him of that, right? But Jesus was very much of, I'm not interested in playing your games. This will help you if you like to, if you like to engage in religious debate uh, via social media. Okay, I've spent, I have spent many, many hours in religious debate on social media. Okay, and trying to figure out the best way to use that platform. I don't know that I have all the answers, but here's what I do know. Most of the time, it is a pointless endeavor that is a complete waste of time. And all it's going to do is, is make things worse. Most of the time. You can feel free to give me some exceptions later. I'm sure they exist. I'm saying most of the time it's a waste of time. Or it becomes about me being right and them being wrong and vice versa for them. Jesus, we're, we're playing games here. Are you speaking for yourself about this or did others tell you this concerning me? See, Jesus says, I know what's going on. You, you, you don't think I know what's going on. I know what's going on, and I'm not playing your game. You want me to play your game. Everybody plays. Jesus, I don't play games. I don't waste my time. I, I, don't, I don't make that investment because if I make my investment here, listen, I won't be able to make it in other places. So I'm just kind of calling you out to say, I know that this is not really a sincere question. Jesus would, he, he would identify that over and over in his ministry. And he has the benefit of being Jesus, so he knows what people's motives are, right? But, but sometimes we know what people's motives are too. I mean, at least we think we do, and, and we don't have to in, in, engage in all of those things. Pilate answered, am I a Jew? And Pilate is this, 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 fr- this frustration of, I mean, I've been outside, and the Jews, they don't want to talk to me. They're obviously upset, but they don't want to give me anything to work with. And now, you're, I'm coming and I'm asking you what I think is going on, and you won't give me, I mean, am I a Jew? Am I supposed to know these things? How am I supposed to know what's going on? I'm a politician. I'm a Roman. We, we have these debates in our society about uh, when, when religion gets involved in politics and what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. Can I tell you what's even scarier is when politics gets involved in religion? I'm going to, when most politicians, when they start talking about religion, do they not say some of the dumbest stuff? Don't they? I mean, with all due respect, don't they say some of the dumbest stuff? That's not new. They, they just don't know. That, 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 that's not their world. So, he's, am I a Jew? 
your own nation and the chief and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Why don't you tell me what we're supposed to do here? Because they put me in a really bad spot. And so Jesus, Jesus answers and he says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. You remember, it wasn't just a few hours ago that Peter's picking up a sword and cutting the dude's ear off in defense of, in defense of Jesus, right? And what did Jesus do? He says, whoa, stop. That's not, what, that's not what we're doing. He heals the man, puts his ear back on, right? I mean, th th that's all going on in this context. People getting riled up, okay, because they're, because they're arresting Jesus. You ever get riled up when your favorite leader gets, you know, gets something happened? I mean, it'll rile people up. I and mean, you want to fight, we'll fight. And it brings out the worst in people because we don't know how to respond to tense situations. And that's, that's what's going on there. Jesus is saying, I want you to understand there's something different going on, but it's not what you think. It's not political uprising. It's not, it's not a king to, to be a new king over Rome. It's the king of all kings. It's the king of the spiritual realm. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Christianity is it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, when we think about um, Islam, Islam is, a, is an honor-based religion. Okay? It's an honor-based religion. And here, here's, here's what I mean by that. Um, someone puts a little cartoon up and it's got a disrespectful thing about uh, Muhammad, right? And whatever, you've, you've seen stuff like that. And the next thing you know, you've got people declaring jihad and blowing up the newspaper, right? Because we're going to stand up for Muhammad. We're going to stand up for Allah. His honor is on the line, and I will defend his honor, right? Somebody said something about my wife. Somebody said something about my mama. I've been in one real fight in my life. Fifth grade, somebody said something about my mama. I took on two or three of them. It was probably three in retrospect, right? Because you don't talk about my mama. We, we get that, right? That Islam is an honor-based religion. Christianity is not. We're not obligated to stand up for the honor of God. Once again, that doesn't mean we don't proclaim his truth. That doesn't mean that we don't, we don't even be willing to die for it. But people say things all the time about God is this, God is that, and they're incredibly rude and disrespectful, sometimes very ugly, right? Go, just let people start talking about God. And there's some ugly things that worse than were said about my mama, I'm sure, said about my creator. Hey, I don't have to fight that fight. God doesn't need me to fight for him. God will fight for himself. That's what Jesus is saying. D don't think that Christianity is this honor-based. It's not. You, you, you don't have to stand up and say, well, you're not going to do that. God, God doesn't need you to handle his fight. God will handle his fight. And if he wants to strike them dead, he'll strike them dead. If he, if he wants to bless them for reasons that don't make sense to me, then he will allow them to be blessed. But one day, he will bring all of man into judgment. So, we, so we, we, we can let those things go. Pilate said to him, well, are you a king then? I'm trying to wrap my mind around what's going on. Okay, so you tell me there's not a kingdom, but you're a Jew and your people are upset. Are you a king? 
Oh, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into this world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And it's this glimpse where, where, where Jesus is saying, yes, but there's something going on that's so much bigger than you think is going on. God's eternal scheme of redemption. I was born for this moment. I came into this world for this moment. I am here with a purpose to bear witness to the truth. And I speak the truth. I don't think these words are really for Pilate's benefit. I don't think Pilate understood what in the world. His response, what is truth? Right? I think they're there for us to see this point of there's something a lot bigger going on. And so Pilate's trying to figure these things out. And you can read on, on, on through the rest of the text where, where the soldiers will, will they, they don't know what to, he doesn't know what to do with Jesus. He says, maybe we should release him, right? I don't see any, there's not that an accusation I can make. Maybe we could release him. But the people said, nope, we want Barabbas. It's just the bloodthirstiness of the people, right? It, it wasn't about justice. It was about, it was about them dealing with Jesus, so Pilate took him and he scourged him. He beat him. It's the hail, the king of the Jews, that they would strike him and they would put that crown of thorns on his head. And in some ways, Pilate trying to appease the people. Right? I don't really want to murder this man, but I can't just let him go scot-free. They're obviously not going to stand for that. So maybe, maybe if we just beat him within an inch of his life, maybe then they'll be happy. You ever want just to see somebody get punished? You can talk about right or wrong about that, but it just, man, I just feel better if, if somebody knew. And some, that, that, that's, that's what Pilate's doing, right? Maybe, maybe they'll be good with that. Verse 6 of chapter 19, just slide on ahead. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out. What they saw was a man beaten within an inch of his life, okay? You're dragging him out. This is the man that's near death because he's just had the suit beat out of him, okay? And his body is, is bruised and bloodied. And What's their response? Verse 6. Crucify him! Crucify him! It's, it's bloodthirstiness, right? We want this man dead. Pilate said to him, you take him and crucify him. I don't find any fault in him. You want me to do your dirty work, right? That's why you stood outside while all this was going on inside, because you're trying to keep your hands clean. You do it. She was answered, oh, we, we have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. Blasphemy. That's why they crucified Jesus, because he was a blast. They didn't, they didn't crucify him because he healed people. They, 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 they didn't crucify him because he fed people. They, they, they didn't crucify him be, because he had a following. They crucified him because he claimed to be the son of God. That's blasphemy, and you don't talk about my God that way. Crucify him. So Pilate goes back in, and the people are in this mob mentality and he was the, all the more afraid. Verse 9, he went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? Jesus gave him no answer. 
I'm not participating in a kangaroo court. There have been some mistakes I've made in my life, but some of the mistakes I've made have been participating in kangaroo courts from time to time. Not doing that. Learn my lesson about those things. So Jesus said, I'm not even worth answering. Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and power to release you? It's power play, right? Hey, you're not listening to me? I'm the one who's going to say thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm the one who has the final determination about whether you live or die, buddy. You better start answering me. You ever have, I mean, we have people that will, in situations in life where they'll act like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to talk. Well, okay. I just, it's not going to go well for you if you want to ignore me. Right? That's from a powerful position, maybe. Listen to what Jesus says. I find this fascinating. Jesus answered. He looks him right in the eye. Okay? The text doesn't say that, but I'm fairly confident about this. Okay? He looks him right in the eye, and he says, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. Jesus says, what you don't understand, Pilate, is there's something a whole lot bigger going on than just me and you. There's something a whole lot bigger going on than whether the government thinks I should live or die. There's something a whole lot bigger going on than that bloodthirsty mob out there. You know what's going on? The hand of God is what's going on. And when you begin to see that, is that what gives Joseph the strength to endure the burdens that he, that he dealt with? Is that what gave Esther the courage to go in and stand up for her nation? Is that what gave David the, 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 the passion to, 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 to wait to become king of Israel? I mean, on and on we could go. Is that what it is that gives a man in the flesh the courage to die for someone else? That I don't think this is just about my death. Thousands of people are going to be crucified. Pardon me for saying big deal. I don't want to be one of many. There's something a lot bigger going on than a man even having nails in his hands and feet. If God doesn't want this to go on, it's not going to go on. This is his plan. We know that what's going on is the scheme of redemption. A plan to justify all of mankind for all of creation by shedding His blood and bearing the burden of sin upon the cross. That's why He came. He didn't just come to feed 5,000 people. He didn't just come to, to, to make a blind man see. He came to seek and to save the lost. This is what it's really all about so when we look at this conversation and many other conversations of Jesus, we just see how powerful it is to know that there's something much bigger than myself going on. Sometimes I wish I had the clarity that Jesus has about that. Right? Sometimes I wish God would just tell me, okay, Wes, this is going on. But I want you to know this is what I'm doing. 
How often does he do that? Well, he doesn't. He tells us that he's working. We talked about that a little bit this morning, right? That he's there, that he has a plan, but he doesn't come down and say, okay, okay, Joseph, you're going to spend the next three years of your life in a dirty, rotten prison cell. But, but the reason that I'm doing that is because, is because that's how I'm going to save your entire family from starvation. That's how I'm going to save the nation of Israel that will lead to the salvation of the world. Now that changes it, doesn't it? You're going to go and you're going to die on the cross, but do, but do you understand that's how I'm going to save all the generations that have ever been and all the generations that, that will ever be? He understood there was something much bigger than himself going on. Challenge for us. Wherever you are, whatever you are, whenever you are, to just give some thought to this idea of maybe there's something a lot bigger going on than just me. That's easier to say than it is to do. Okay? Because I get life right here. I mean, Jesus would be the ultimate example of that, right? But there's something much bigger going on. Hey, Job, I know that, I know that you're going through this, but do you understand that you're going to be a source of, in, of inspiration for, for every Christian that suffers for the next 4,000 years plus? Oh, so it's not just about me having the worst day of my life. No, it's not. Jesus got that. And I hope that we can pull that and be inspired in that from his life. Friends, if you're not here tonight as a Christian, if you're not here as one who has been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, do you understand that he didn't down the cross just so that we could tell a little story? Just so that we could have some jewelry to wear with a cross on it? So That's not why he died. He died to save us. And without that death, we are not saved. John 3.17, I didn't come in this world to condemn this world. I came to save this world. We have to understand that. So if you're not a Christian this morning, this evening, I want you to understand there's something a whole lot bigger going on. God's been working for your salvation, well, since the beginning of creation. Before you were a twinkle in your mom and daddy's eye, yeah. Before Jesus ever came in the flesh, yeah. Since the creation and the foundation of the world, God's been working towards this day. See, it's a lot bigger than you. It's a lot bigger than me. Yeah, but I don't understand why God is doing what he's doing. Well, you're not alone in that. But rest assured, there's something much bigger going on. One day, maybe in the flesh, we'll know what it is. But if not, in eternity, we will know what it is. Something much bigger than you or I going on. Jesus understood it, and it changed everything. I pray that that reality changes our reality. Friends, if you have a need to come, to repent, to be baptized, to come and bring your cares to him, you come tonight as we stand and as we sing.